2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. Do work. The phrase do work can be expressed as a prompt or as a command. It's a directive. After all of uh, the creative ideas, after all of the planning, after all of the engineering, after all of the discussing of ideas, all of the organizing, all of the administration, you have to do work. We can do the, the layout, we can, we can talk about it, we can think about it, but at some point we have to execute. We have to perform. We have to do work. Tonight, uh, we'll look at this chapter, the first few verses of this chapter, maybe uh, touch into chapter 3 as well. As Paul expresses to Timothy, uh, it's time to do work. Doing work is predicated on the notion that your efforts should produce something tangible, produce uh, in in effect, uh, be evidenced by uh, virtue, something that we can build upon, something uh, that we can construct or, or scaffold upon itself, something that compounds or, or grows or develops. You know, Brick Mason, when he shows up on a job about to build something out of brick, it can be overwhelming to look at uh, what is supposed to be and know that you have to start with a single brick. You have to pick a corner and you take a brick, one three inch by uh, four inch by eight inch brick, and you start. You start uh, putting in that work and you lay a second brick and you lay a third brick and you lay a one hundredth brick and a one thousandth brick. And after a while, 30 or 40 or 50,000 brick later, you have a house or you have a building, but you have to start by doing work. The preacher or the minister in Ecclesiastes, uh, he looks around and he says, I see all of the work that humanity does. And it's all vanity and vexation. Oh, it's all folly. I see how we spend our time. I see where we focus our energy. But, but what's it all really for? It's all uh, vexation of spirit. It doesn't amount to much work. It's just uh, staying busy. But what does it produce? Does it have any eternal effect on our soul? Is what he's, he's saying. In Colossians, uh, Paul writes to the group and he says, Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as unto the Lord, and not unto men, knowing uh, that the Lord ye shall receive of the, the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ. There is so much wisdom in that verse. In terms of 
of uh, career advice or, or professional development. There is so much uh, power and autonomy in that, in that verse. To know that you work for the Lord, the King of kings, the Holy One. You know, it doesn't matter what job you have. You're always going to have a difficult supervisor, uh, an unpleasant boss, or a difficult uh, client. But when you come to the realization that you work for the Lord, and that you serve Him, and that He's the one that signs your check, it's liberating. There's wisdom in that. There's, there's power in that. Our work is for the Lord. And it has an eternal reward. The, the preacher, the teacher in Ecclesiastes, he, he comes uh, back to this thought and he concludes to fear God and to keep His commandments. And this is the whole duty of man. This is our only job to serve Him, to honor Him. And I think we see that in Paul here when he expresses his affections toward Timothy. And he says, Oh, Timothy, do the work of the Lord. Nearly every day uh, we have an opportunity to look into God's Word and to, and to pray before sending our children off to school. And, and we pray for them. If, if they allow me to catch them, I will lay hands on them. And I pray for them, and, and the prayer often is, Lord, raise up workers. Raise up men and women of God. But I can't do the work for them. They have to do the work for themselves. And we see Paul laying hands figuratively on Timothy, saying, Timothy, do the work of the Lord. Oh, it pays. Oh, it's rich. There's a blessing in that. Hallelujah. It pays. God's work is a good work. If you are in the workforce, you will know that there is a labor crisis uh, in America, in the United States of America, meaning that the demands for goods and services far exceeds engagement. At present, there are about 11 million job openings and 6 million people looking uh, for work. The demand is nearly double uh, than the number of job seekers or workers. Interestingly, as of January 2023, there was about 100, and 100 million eligible American citizens that are considered inactive in the workforce. They qualify, they're, they're of uh, the right age, uh, they are ready to work, but they are considered inactive. They are not looking for work. Decidedly reflecting a lack of engagement in the workforce. And as I consider this crisis, and we're faced by it every single day, I'm thought uh, of this notion, do we have inactive Christians? Is there a crisis 
of dedication? Is there a crisis of commitment to the Lord? We know that there's a deficit of skilled workers, but I believe there's also a deficit of consecrated hearts. There is a crisis, and we see that uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ as he, as he speaks to his apostles, and he says, look at the fields. Oh, the harvest is ready. It's full. There's so much work to be done. He taught his friends and, and those that he knew, and he said, hey, if I give you talents, how will you use them? Will you, will you grow them? Will you be uh, industrious? Will you invest them and, and multiply these talents that I give you? Will, you? will you consecrate yourself and apply yourself to the work of the Lord? Oh, we have a crisis, young people. Will you stand in the gap? Will you, will you raise up? And do the work of the Lord. Oh, when there's a deficit of workers, there is tremendous opportunity and reward for those uh, who are willing to work. Apathy and indifference are everywhere. But those that embrace the word of the Lord, they are uh, richly blessed. We see here Paul's work. Paul's work was to build up Timothy. I look out over this audience and I see uh, a number of Pauls, Sunday school teachers, preachers, youth camp counselors, musicians, servers. They know exactly what Paul is talking about in this text. The other half of the audience are Timothys, young people, full of potential, full of opportunity, full of life. Will you do the Lord's work? Will you answer his call? The Pauls in this audience are, are eager and willing to impart wisdom upon the Timothys, encouraging them, praying for them. Oh, that they would succeed. Paul wanted to see uh, Timothy succeed. We want to see our young people succeed. You can succeed by dedicating your heart to the Lord, by humbling yourself and coming down before the Lord and saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, save my soul. I dedicate my life to you. I give my talents back to you. Multiply them. Help me to use them in your kingdom. Your faith uh, should produce something. It should accomplish something. It's not static. It's not uh, immutable or unchangeable. It doesn't uh, live in a, in a vacuum. It shouldn't be unchallenged. No, your faith should be dynamic. Things should happen. It's, it's God's grace in you. It's God's power and spirit moving in you, compelling you. This letter to Timothy, Paul's identify, Paul identifies the need for qualified workers in the heavenly kingdom. 
And he emphasizes this yet-to-be-realized potential in Timothy. Young people, we appreciate you. You have so much potential. And you come to church and you come to Sunday school, but the Lord is drawing something further from you. He's calling you to his field. He's calling you uh, to do work. The assignment. When we look at Timothy, we see a call. We see a charge. A command. The charge is uh, clarity and direction. In confusing times, we see that in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, uh, kind of what everybody else is doing. Lovers of themselves during perilous times. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and holy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Timothy, from such, turn away. Young people, turn away from the world. There is a call to labor for the Lord. The assignment, the call of God is to come out from the world and be separate. To be unlike the Lord. There's a lot of lost and confused souls out there. But Timothy here is called out. We are called out from the world. If we're going to be laborers in the kingdom, we have to be different uh, than the world. It's time to do work. It's time to execute. Paul uh, takes a little bit of time here as he talks to Timothy, and he, he talks about the worker, the qualitative attributes and essential uh, functions of the job of the divine calling. Be saved. Be committed to the Lord. Be engaged in the work. Be engaged. Activate your faith. He talks about uh, the motivation for the work, the uh, incentive. And, and we see here uh, in, in verses 7 and 8 of chapter 4, that the incentive that Paul had was it satisfied his soul. Paul here is at the end of his life. He has the privilege of looking back, and Paul was a very accomplished person. And he looks back over the sum of his experiences, and he's imparting on Timothy the best or the most important things. Almost a letter to, a, to your younger self. And he's saying, Timothy, this is such a rich gospel. This is such a blessing. This is, uh, this is such a rewarding calling. 
He says, despite the challenges I've had, despite the afflictions, despite the heartaches, I have immense satisfaction. I have contentment. I have lived for something virtuous, something worth dying for. And I long for you to experience uh, what I have experienced, to have a piece of, of the inheritance of the gospel. You know, when we pray with our kids, we pray uh, that they would just have a taste of what we have experienced. Oh, that they would just have a piece of that inheritance. That's what Paul is expressing to Timothy. I've seen it all. I've done it all, Timothy. Oh, but if you could just uh, experience the Lord in the ways that I have experienced the Lord. When we look at the work itself, Paul says, start. Start. Sometimes we are afraid. Sometimes we are feel fearful. Sometimes we, we uh, are unqualified. At least we perceive ourselves to be unqualified for the job uh, at hand. And the Bible is full of people that were unqualified. And we see time and time again throughout Scripture how uh, when people were weak, God's glory emanated from them. And mighty things were accomplished. Start. Start the work. Preach the Word. Don't overthink it. Just start. Start by proclaiming the doctrine of Christ crucified. And you can't talk about it unless you've experienced it. You experience it by surrendering your heart and your will to God. Preach the word. Proclaim the doctrine of Christ. Be an epistle, uh, Paul writes to another group, read and known by all men. You can preach to your classmate. You can preach to your coworker or your unsaved mother or father. You just live uh, the life of Christ crucified. Be instant, he says. Be constant or continuously ready. Be prepared to seize every opportunity to declare Christ. Be instant. Have a sense of urgency. You have this moment. It's gone. Seize it for our Lord Jesus Christ. Reprove, Paul says, refute and correct that which is wrong. Don't be complicit with sin. Don't fall into uh, the, the trap of dysfunction and false teaching. It's everywhere. You know that. You're in school. You read the books. You see the media. It's everywhere. False doctrines, false teachings, even in Christian circles. Only Jesus satisfies. Only Jesus can save your soul. Refute, correct that which is wrong. Rebuke. Confront errors. Deal with the sin problem. We don't live in sin. We are not bound uh, 
by wickedness and by evil. Exhort. Patiently entreat or draw close those that uh, are sensitive to the Word of God. Endure sound doctrine. Most won't. Most are too impatient or, or too distracted. Bear out pure religion, uncorrupted teaching. Examine, analyze. Let the Word of God work on you. Be content. Be settled. Be satisfied. Turn toward truth rather than to the pleasures of this world. Watch, Paul says, watch. Don't neglect the sacred or holy rites that we perform. Don't be sloppy or slothful with your faith. Attend to the eternal reward with sobriety and steadfastness. Endure affliction. Be diligent. Despite suffering and hardships, don't give up. Don't give up. The Lord is, is revealing His character to you. He is showing Himself to you. He's trying to help you and teach you. Endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. Be a messenger of hope in a dark world. Be a messenger of truth and of good tidings. Prove your ministry. Test it. Scientifically. The Word of God is a science book. It's such that it can be tested. If you do the things that are in this book, the outcome is self-evident. If you separate yourself from the world, God's power will abide in you. That is what the text says. It's, it's thematic throughout uh, the, the Word. And it is played out uh, in, in numerous people in this congregation. It is tested. The Lord will prove Himself to you if you, if you test Him. Prove it. Uh, it produces what the Bible hypothesizes. A starting point for further investigation, for prediction, for analysts. For conclusion, the Lord will prove Himself to you. You cannot read the Word of God without being affected by the Spirit, without being compelled uh, to see who you are in the light of His holiness. The Lord uh, will help you. Again, your faith should produce something. It should accomplish something. And that is the Spirit of God in you. It's time to do work, young people. It's time to surrender your life to the Lord. It's time to consecrate yourself to Him. It's time to engage your faith. We're going to have a chance to do that. The song is 501. But come to the altars and pray.